This is Circulating Ideas. I'm Steve Thomas. My guest today is M.K. Serwitz. She's a senior fellow at the George Washington School of Nursing Center for Health Policy and Media Engagement and the artist-in-residence at Northwestern Feinberg School of Medicine in Chicago. She's also a co-manager of graphicmedicine.org and a host of the Graphic Medicine Podcast. Circulating Ideas is brought to you with support from MoMetrics and from listeners just like you. Find out how you can help support the show by going to circulatingideas.com slash support. With library budgets constantly shrinking, it's getting harder and harder to provide the resources your library patrons want and need. That's why the folks at MoMetrics Test Preparation created the MoMetrics eLibrary. Through their e-library portal, Mometrics offers study guides and practice questions for over 1,800 different exams covering college entrance, graduate school, nursing, medical, teacher certification, civil service, I'm counting this on my fingers, I'm running out of fingers, and many other careers and fields of study. All fully customizable and at a fraction of the cost of printed books. It's like having an entire library of test prep materials all at your fingertips. So, save space. Save paper and save money with Mometrics eLibrary. To get a free demo and 10% off your first purchase, visit goelibrary.com and let them know you came from Circulating Ideas by using the promo code PODCAST. That's goelibrary.com, promo code PODCAST. MK, welcome to Circulating Ideas. Thank you very much for having me. So, I had Matthew know on the show previously, but to get all the listeners on the same page, can you give an overview of what graphic medicine is? Yeah, graphic medicine refers to kind of everything happening at the intersection of comics, the medium of comics, and kind of the discourse, practice, and lived experience of illness, healthcare, wellness, um, medicine, nursing, uh, all of the professions, and and all of us who are dealing with issues around our bodies. Um, so there's a lot there. Uh, and anything in that area that is done in comic form is what we call graphic medicine. And uh, why do you feel that graphic novels are a particularly good medium for telling these types of stories? Yeah, there, there's a, a, a lot of answers to that question. Um, I think the one that I'm most really drawn to is, is the idea of, you know, what your, you know, your kind of writing teacher used to teach you in school, which is show, don't tell. And, um, graphic medicine gives us the ability to show, uh, a wealth of information, um, in a very efficient way. Um, and then, you know, so that's a really powerful tool when it comes to, teaching, you know, the kinds of teaching we do as healthcare providers who, who need to get people to get information when they're under stress, um, all the way to uh, a very, I think, therapeutic and helpful way to communicate information about caregiving and illness and experiences with, with those, as well as, um, uh, you know, a great way to reflect on our experiences. So it's, it's, it's beneficial to draw about what we're going through, as well as read other people's accounts of what they're going through. A lot of times, uh, you can express an emotion in a drawing in a very special way that doesn't really come across through text. Like, uh, you can draw us uh, the like the tears coming out of the head for crying and things like that. So there's different ways of doing that. Right. 
Right. And it's such a highly efficient medium. You know, just a look on a face can convey so much information that it would take, you know, a, a thousand words to try to capture. Um, but, you know, the, the look on someone's face can be so revealing. Oh, and then bring into that all the different tools that the, the medium has, um, you know, thought bubble versus speech bubbles. If you think about just an encounter with a healthcare provider, how powerful that could be uh, to, to show what someone's thinking as well as what they're saying. I think a lot of people don't think about how evocative the lettering style can be. In prose, uh, you're reading like typed text, whereas in a comic, you can have a character saying, I'm queasy, and have that written in a wavy font. So you're getting the feeling as well as reading the words. Whereas on the t uh, typed text on the page, obviously, I mean, you can use different fonts, but it's not quite the same thing as like a hand-drawn or really well-done computer-generated computer lettering. Right, right, right. So that I could answer that question for forever. I mean, there's there's so many interesting things that, that comics do within the realm of, of health. You are also a nurse and go by the pseudonym Comics Nurse. So which came first, drawing or nursing? Uh, did you like drawing when you were young? You know, when I was little, I, I liked to draw and I liked reading the newspaper comics. Um, but I was not the kid who could draw and in, in grade school was discouraged from, from doing that, as many of us unfortunately are. And so I left that behind. Um, but then, so the nurse came first in terms of, uh, in the term comic nurse. Um, and uh, I picked it up later, kind of out of necessity. Can you talk a little more about that necessity there? Uh, what, what led to this career of combining drawing and nursing? Yeah, so I was working as a nurse during the AIDS crisis in Chicago on a dedicated AIDS unit. Um, so all of my patients... Uh, in, at that time, in the mid, uh, basically through through most of the 90s, all of my patients were um, really struggling and suffering and were young and were, were dying uh, of their disease. We didn't have anything really that would stop the virus and so stop the infections that they would die of. And that was really hard as a provider of care. I was very connected to the community and to my patients and their families and to know that, that every one of them was going to be going through such a difficult thing. It got to a point of me thinking like, how do I, how do I stay connected and still uh, provide care in this arena? And so I would um, write, you know, my, my bachelor's degree was in English and philosophy and I would write to try to process those experiences. Um, and then I would sort of do these drawings, but neither one of them uh, felt like they were doing the job. And then one day I stumbled into making comics and um, I kind of just drew myself and put some words and put a box around it and then made another box. And I thought about Linda Berry, who was a big influence on me in college. I, I just have always loved her work. And I remembered that those comics were not always funny and that this could work. And then really, literally, I'm doing what I'm doing today this many years later because that day, uh, a nine-panel comic really helped me figure out how I was going to cope with what we were all going through at that time. Um, I would just keep making comics about it, and it was very powerful. And it, it helped me discover the power of the medium. And so then when our unit closed, when we had drugs that could keep people out of the hospital, I kind of thought, well, what's next for me? And I went to grad school and studied things about story and why story works in healthcare and, and the importance of story in healthcare. And during that time came across um, Brian Feast's mom's cancer. And that just put it all together for me because he does such an amazing job in that book of showing the potential for the medium when you talk about healthcare. And, uh, and that was it. The rest is really the last 10 years 
you know, when I graduated from my master's uh, with the field I was in was medical humanities and bioethics, I thought I would, you know, keep making comics. And I wanted to study that to make better comics. I had no idea that this field was going to just kind of explode. So for the last 10 years, it really has been my next thing. It's been my kind of full time job. Um, you know, teaching and lecturing and 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 making comics. Uh, it's just been an amazing, amazing experience to see how it's really just taken off. Those original comics you did uh, sound like they were very therapeutic to you personally. So wh- why did you uh, decide to start sharing them? And when did you decide to start sharing them? Yeah, some of them were, a lot of them were just for me, like, how am I going to process the grieving or process the confusion or frustration? Um but then I kind of realized, like, you know, I had always wanted to have a place in the arts. I thought I was going to be a writer when I got that first degree, uh, but that didn't really happen. And plus, I realized I kind of hated writing. Um, but I enjoyed the process of making comics, and I felt like I kind of had a, a little bit of a knack for it. Um, and so I had, you know, when you first could set up your own websites, uh, well, probably like the later end of when you could set up your own websites, uh, I had set up this site, uh, Comic Nurse, Um and so I started putting a few of my favorite ones on there. And then I really realized, like, I had to, to get better. I had to just do the work. And so having that, you know, kind of a weekly comic and developing a following helped me make sure I had some accountability to get the work done. And so I would just keep doing that. And, um, yeah, it's just kind of evolved from, from there. And uh, when did you decide you wanted to put them together into a book? Your first book was called Taking Turns. Uh, when did that? When did you decide to put that together? That was kind of a, an aspirational project. I always knew that that um, I wanted to make comics about the kind of caregiving that we were able to do during the AIDS crisis that was very connected and very kind of community-oriented. There was something very unique about the way we provided care there, and I knew I wanted to make comics about that. Um, and so that's why, I, you know, a big part of why I was enrolled in my master's program, because I knew I wanted to do a project like that. But it was in... Uh, kind of doing research for the book that I discovered that the history of this particular unit that I worked on in Chicago, where thousands of people had come through and 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 so many uh, so many of our patients died, I discovered that the history of this place hadn't been formally recorded anywhere. And so that was what really drove me on. I conducted an oral history, and then I figured out a way to integrate that oral history, which was my thesis project, with the memoir comic that I wanted to do. And and I kind of put those two things together. You talked about reading things like Mom's Cancer. Uh, when did you realize that graphic medicine was like its own thing, like a subgenre of graphic novels? Yeah, so interestingly, it was in parallel with um, my colleague, uh, Ian Williams, in the UK, whose his book is called The Bad Doctor, and he just released his, his second book called The Lady Doctor. He, um, believe it or not, this is such an amazing parallel, um, was in the UK uh, working as a doctor and getting a degree in medical humanities also right around the same time. And he had come across mom's cancer also, and it made him realize the same thing. And so he set up a website and through that website, he was uh, contacted by a doctor and a literature scholar at Penn state who had also been thinking along those lines. And then um, I discovered him and, and it was sort of a bunch of momentum starting from there. And then, you know, he, he coined the term graphic medicine when he set up a website to sort of catalog the question that all of us had asked that, number one, could this be a thing, right? Could you seriously contemplate 
the use of comics in the healthcare arena? And two, um, are there more books out there? Like, so Mom's Cancer is amazing. What else is out there? Are there other books that are nonfiction that really kind of convey the lived experience of illness and caregiving um, that we could use uh, in healthcare? Um, And so that kind of all came together. And then, you know, we didn't invent it by any stretch of the imagination. It was something that I think already had momentum, but uh, people were doing it in their own kind of quiet way. And and maybe we're a little sheepish about the idea of talking about it. And then the snowball just started gathering. They had a first gathering in, uh, of people in London in 2010, I believe it was. Um, and then since then, we've had annual conferences where people come from all over the world to talk about, you know, what this means, uh, where they're from and how they're using this in healthcare, or how their comics are being, you know, used and, and things like that. And then in uh, 2015, you and Ian and some others got together to write the Graphic Medicine Manifesto. Right, right. Yeah, we had had the idea that, you know, we wanted to kind of put a stake in the ground and say, this is what we think this could do. We'd like to be taken seriously, even though we're using comics. Um, But also the the idea was that we wanted to kind of have a little bit of a a, so so a theoretical background, uh, which you find in there, and then each person approaching it from their own perspective. And then some samples, right? So we had thought about doing an anthology and then thought, well, what about if we just tie a few examples and show from those graphic memoir, um, you know, give, share those examples with our chapters talking about how we'd like to see this done. Yeah. In your chapter of the book, you talk about drawing as a social practice. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So my chapter is called The Crayon Revolution. And I, um, I say that because kind of tying back to what I was saying earlier, I feel like so many of us left images behind, using images and drawing and thinking in images behind in, in school because we had words and we were set, you know, we were told to use our words. And there's this primacy of text through our schooling. And I think that we leave something really important behind. And so the reason I use crayons is I think people, it takes people back to that place in childhood where they felt comfortable and safe. And also it takes a lot of pressure off, you know, no one's expected to, to create Picasso with a crayon. Um, but the truth is we all still have a basic visual language that's ours and ours alone. And what I want to do is encourage people to use it in a way that will help us teach and learn and reflect through images. And I think that, you know, there is something you come to understand through drawing uh, that you might not have really come to or thought about in the same way um, because of the time it takes, because of the, the, again, engaging with images. You know, our memories are images. The way we process the world in many ways is through images. And so, um, yeah, that, that's kind of what I'd like to see people do. You know, in, in healthcare, we, in medical school specifically, I teach, one of my teaching uh, gigs is in a, a medical school, and we often use reflective writing to get people to kind of think about the struggles are having, you know, in, in being a healthcare provider or becoming a healthcare provider. But I, I like the idea of reflective drawing as well, kind of, and the two together are really powerful. And so that's what I do. That's what I try to get people to, to use crayons to, again, start contemplating an image. And, and I hope that, you know, it may not work for everyone, and I accept that, but my hope is that it will come as a surprise that uh, for some people, it may be a welcome way to get in, uh, in a way that they couldn't find a way into something difficult that they're struggling with. 
Yeah, that's that, that's a really good point. And from from a few of your comments mentioning that, oh, it's not funny. Um, I, I assume that you get the comment a lot of, oh, it's a comic, so it must be funny. Tell me some jokes, ha ha ha. But right. the, the name comics is really more about the history of the form, the medium, more than it is about the content itself being comic funny. Right. And and you want to kind of bring that history along, right? Like, you know, no matter what kind of fancy names you come up with it, I like the idea that we always just admit that it's a comic and that's that's good. You can have very serious comics, right? And we, we're living in such a amazing age where we have so many examples of how very serious topics can be handled in this medium. Yeah. Uh, comics are really my preferred term too, but uh since this is a library podcast, let's let's take a turn to that. Uh, why do you think libraries should collect graphic medicine titles? What's the value to a library's collection? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I recently um, moved to Southwest Michigan and I walked into our, our uh, community library and I asked the librarian if, you know, they carried any kind of adult graphic, t- graphic titles, adult comics. And they said, no, they're all in the kind of young adult section. And I said, well, you know, I told them what I do and I work in healthcare. And, and they said, well, you know, the one thing people come in asking for is healthcare related stuff. You know, people in the community want healthcare related information and resources. And the, the reason that it's so important for libraries is just accessibility, right? You might not be able to get to, to the store and, or you might not be able to access getting uh, these graphic novels. And there's so many out there. But it's because it's something that people need and people want. And, you know, one of the things I often say is that when people are under stress, which is when you're worried about an illness or health or someone, someone else's illness or health, when you're under stress, it's, it's often hard to sit down and read a solid text. Um, and, you know, we often within healthcare are giving people pamphlets that they may never read. When you can do it in an engaging medium that uh, can be uh, a not unpleasant experience to, to read, I think that's a huge advantage uh, for communicating, uh, for teaching, and for learning. And so I think libraries are um, a terrific place for, for graphic medicine collections because it's what people are looking for often. Yeah, I think uh, people are starting to realize that adult graphic novel doesn't mean adult graphic novel. Right. <laughs> so uh, uh, there are still some com- conservative communities that may feel like this kind of collection isn't for them. Um, but there are plenty of good titles out there that don't have cursing or adult situations or like um, bare breasts in a, as might be the case in a memoir about breast cancer. Absolutely. I mean, one that comes to mind that I think is just amazing is um, it's called My Degeneration, uh, A Journey Through Parkinson's. And I can imagine com- someone coming in the library and wanting to learn about Parkinson's, whether it's something that they've been diagnosed with or a loved one, a family member. And this book, you know, would be such a revelation to come across um, because I think it does an incredible job of being a teaching tool and an encouragement. And it's just an amazing text and it's in comic form it's very engaging very colorful um and i would love to see libraries be stocking that in the health section you know you might not go looking in the graphic novel section for something like this but it'd be great to see and i know that that becomes an issue of where do you put it right because it's kind of it's a graphic uh it's a comic but it's also you know a comic about living with parkinson's is not something aimed at kids there's nothing there's nothing obscene or, or, or anything in it, but it's just not something that you think would be of interest to kids. It certainly would be targeted at adults. Um, so, yeah. Can you talk about how the graphic medicine website got started and who all is involved with that? Yeah. So as I mentioned, Ian Williams uh, in the UK set the site up initially 
Um, and then when I hosted the second International Graphic Medicine Conference, we kind of merged um, the content from that and realized that we wanted the site to become this wonderful resource so that patients and families and providers, if they had an area um, of interest uh, and they wanted to know if there was a comic or a graphic novel about it, they could go there and use this as a resource. And also academics who might be like interested in kind of really looking at this field. Um, and so we kind of rebooted the site uh, with a searchable capacity. And um, we've then in the last two years brought on two amazing medical librarians, Matthew No, who you've had on your show. Uh, be, he had started doing this this week in graphic medicine, uh, which is amazing because there is so much going on. Um, and if you go to our website and just look at one of those posts, that's all something that happened in a week in this area. It's just unbelievable to keep up. And so thank God he brought his fantastic librarian skills to us. And then recently, Alice Jaggers uh, has joined us as well, another medical librarian. And they are helping to curate the site, kind of keep the the list up to date of what's out there, help us to organize. Um, they've just been such a gift to the site. And so that's our goal, really, is to just serve as as much as possible a resource for what's out there and kind of a community. So it's it's not just that the site is um, this resource, and it is, and I also, I do a podcast, the Graphic Medicine Podcast, where I try to interview people who are working in this area. Um, but we also are this amazing community. As I said, we've been having annual meetings for, for almost 10 years now, and um, it feels like just a family of people that are all kind of interested in this. And so we use our social media outlet to kind of be resources uh, in conjunction with the website uh, to, to help one another with the kind of projects we're interested in and, and, and promote things. And, and again, just kind of do what a, a community of people who are like-minded and interested in things are doing. Oh, that's great. Um, you've given a lot of great suggestions already throughout the show, but do you have any other recommendations for graphic medicine titles, especially for librarians? You might want to start building up a collection like this. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know where to. I'm sitting here staring at my my giant bookshelves, <laughs> and, and uh, um, so so I'll think. I'm, I'm teaching a course right now at the University of Chicago, and we've decided it's a graphic medicine course. And we've decided to teach it like along the lifespan, and it was kind of an experiment to see are there is there a graphic memoir um, that will be a great resource in each of the kind of life areas, right? So like reproduction and and childhood and and young adulthood and 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 there is, is the answer. So that tells you how much is out there. Yeah. So, so, um, so a wonderful one that we've used in talking about childhood, um, and, and it's not necessarily aimed at children, but it captures interesting things about childhood. It's called Stitches by David Small. Uh, David Small is a children's book illustrator who did his first graphic memoir. Um, and it's about, uh, all kinds of interesting things, a difficult family, but also being diagnosed with cancer as a young man and, uh, being treated for that. Um, and that's really amazing. Um, and uh, there, there's a wonderful book uh, called Tangles by Sarah Levitt. Uh, it's called Tangles, um, a story about Alzheimer's, my mother and me. And when she was a young adult, her mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And it's just a beautiful uh, account of that experience that their family had. Um, and then moving towards, oh, uh, one more I want to just throw in, uh, sort of uh, dealing with mental illness. There's an amazing graphic memoir called Marbles, Mania, Depression, Michelangelo, and Me by Ellen Forney. And then uh, my particular clinical focus area in comics right now, because it's what I ended up doing in my career, is hospice and end-of-life care. And uh, a couple years ago, an amazing graphic memoir came out called Last Things 
by Marissa Moss, a graphic memoir of love, of loss and love. And it's a beautiful story about a very, very difficult diagnosis and how it impacts the family and a very difficult death. It's not uh, a story of redemption, uh, of how a family gets closer. Um, it's how a family survives a very difficult illness and very difficult death. I think it's important to have titles like these because it helps people feel uh, not so alone to be connected to a community of people who have all been through similar experiences like this. You know, you might feel like if you're going through an, an, a, um, an illness or you're helping a family member or a loved one through a illness that you're the only one and you're the only one feeling like this. But it's not. And it's lots of people have gone through this. And it's nice to find uh, similar people going through similar experiences. Absolutely. And then the other thing is, you know, what we talk about in, in the health humanities, we talk about counter narratives. When you've gone through something, you know, the, the, the prevailing narrative is that you go through something difficult and it brings you closer and you have a beautiful, you know, deathbed scene with your loved one. When you go through something that isn't like that and it's much more painful and difficult, you sort of end up more stigmatized because you feel like, oh, I didn't have the kind of experience I was supposed to have, whether that's uh, in childbirth or, or end of life, you know, when it goes really badly and it's really ugly, those aren't stories people want to read or tell. And so having them out there done as beautifully as last things is done um, is really important for those people to feel like, like you say, I'm not alone too. Yes. Life is much messier than a lot of fiction makes out. Right. And, and, you know, comics have this long history of kind of telling us stories about things that are stigmatized and and making kind of showing you that things can be ugly, but it's it's still, you know, it's still going to be OK and you're going to be OK. MK, if listeners wanted to follow up with you, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, through my website, comicnurse.com. There's a contact link there and uh, I would welcome any questions that people might have. Thank you so much for coming on to the show, and I hope librarians who are interested in building up their graphic medicine collections got some good input here. Yes, and I definitely want to say that if someone is interested in doing that and they have particular health issues in their community that they think that their library would like to serve, we would love to serve as a resource for that and kind of say, here's what's out there in this arena. So please be in touch through graphicmedicine.org. All right. Thanks again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Circulating Ideas is produced by Steve Thomas in the suburbs of Atlanta. Views expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of my place or work or the place of work of guests. For past interviews, visit circulatingideas.com and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, or your podcast app of choice. And help others find the show by leaving a rating or a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at CircIdeas or like the show's Facebook page. Music is by Pamela Klicka. Thanks for listening and keep circulating your ideas. Thanks again to Mometrics Test Preparation for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. To get 10% off your first purchase and a free demo, visit goelibrary.com and use that promo code podcast. That's goelibrary.com promo code podcast.